Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with plushcare. Plushcare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to the 12th episode of Farms Advice where we cover everything agribusiness. On today's show, we have Angus Street from Auctions Plus, a young and ambitious CEO taking on the online livestock auctions to the next level. He's a cool-headed bloke raised on a farm like many of our speakers have been. We've had a great time hearing about his journey and what he's curious about, and I'm sure you will too. Let's get into it. G'day Angus, how are you going? Good, Jack. Thanks so much for having me. So, excellent to have you on. I think you're... Our second CEO for the podcast, getting along. Beautiful. I'd say I'd be pretty young CEO, uh, so I still got plenty to learn. Um, but feeling very fortunate to be in the role that I am. I can tell you that much. Yeah, absolutely. You've got big shoes to fill there as head of Auctions Plus, a tech industry, tech company within the ag industry. What's the outlook at the moment with COVID and coming through a drought? Yeah, good question, Jack. Um, Auctions Plus is, um, it's a really interesting place where we find ourselves. Um, you know, the last spike of, of I guess, good seasons and, and fortunate prices was back in, you know, 2016-17 when, you know, the ag sector very much had, you know, a great run of um, uh, uh, as I said, seasons and prices and, and Auctions Plus during that time definitely peaked and we saw absolute record numbers. Uh, the drought hit us um, in 18-19 and, and obviously um, what has happened is, you know, uh, as we received rain earlier in 2020, um, you know, the prices have spiked and, and a lot of the restockers have jumped back into the market. Um, and we saw the EYCI there jump to record numbers, the SLE jumped to record numbers and um, and obviously, Auctions Plus is a platform where you can access stock um, from all over Australia. Uh, and then, you know, that, that's obviously on the buy side. Uh, and you're also accessing stock that, you know, with specific details uh, that you're chasing. So it could be, you know, 
It could be genetics. It could be the feed that they've been on, whether they're weaned or I guess the team type of weaning production that, that occurred, uh, the type of handling. Um, you know, you get breed specifics, you get weight, you get fat scores. So we, we collect, you know, I think it's around 100 different data points. We have the option um, to, to see witness 100 different data points uh, on an individual animal basis. And for a buyer, it's, that gives them confidence. Uh, on the sell side, you kind of sit there and you go, well, I want to access a, a, a huge market um, and maximize my competition after a couple of tough years. And, and I guess that's where we've seen uh, the significant volume of stock that we've had over the past six months. Yeah, absolutely. I think like just opening yourself up to the national market as well. Hugely, Jack. It's, you know, we, um, I think our, our cattle numbers jumped 60% year on year this year. Our sheep numbers jumped, this is commercial, jumped 30% year on year. Uh, and that was definitely driven, uh, I'd say more so by the season breaking as opposed to COVID. Um, you know, and the season's broken and people are wanting to access that national marketplace. Uh, we went from, you know, at the end of last year with maybe 800 registered buyers in one of our sales to upwards of 1,500. Uh, so we've nearly doubled the number of uh, buyers that we have access to, um, or that, sorry, that, that sellers have access to. And with that, um, you know, it comes competition and, and comes maximum prices. So, uh, yeah, a win-win for both buyers and sellers on that national marketplace. Yeah, absolutely. I think like the competition would play a big part on both buying and selling. Yeah, and that's the power of an auction. Uh, you know, you, uh, the power of an auction is that you only need two people to, to be chasing the same article um, and, and the market will after itself. Uh, I guess, obviously, with auctions, you know, you have to ride the market, the ups and downs, and there is some volatility there. But uh, I think from, from our standpoint, you know, to reduce that volatility, you're, you're accessing that national market. So you're not restricting yourself to, you know, the local set of sale yards that, um, you know, on, on one week might a buyer might not, not turn up and therefore the price might drop. Uh, and then another week, a, you know, a buyer might be short and the price spikes. So, yeah, look, I think we definitely smooth volatility, but a power of an auction, you know, does have to ride the market. Yeah, and also like the power in numbers of the people on your platform as well really helps both buyer and the seller, I suppose. Huge, huge. You know, we've, I think we've had, Oh, it'd be something like a 40 or 50% increase just in the number of people hitting our website over the last six months. So again, you know, the, the, the number of eyeballs that uh, stock are getting in front of is just phenomenal. And, and we feel really fortunate to be able to deliver the service, um, especially in a time of need, you know, with uh, COVID, um, you know, I, I talk the seasonality driving, our throughput numbers but um you know the opportunity to ensure that the livestock sector continues to uh you know maximize its opportunity during these tough COVID times yeah we feel pretty fortunate to be able to have a service that that meets the needs of the market yeah absolutely just like reimburses like during COVID your like the auction plus platform really works well for these circumstances during the remote sales 
Yeah, it does. Uh, you know, we've we've been fortunate enough to be working with a number of physical sale yards, and uh, we've expanded into those physical sale yards and are interfacing them uh, to ensure that you know the local buyers still get an opportunity to participate. Um, you know, the, the the sale yards have had to reduce. Uh, the attendance uh, and limit it to professional buyers and livestock agents and um, there's an opportunity there for uh, for us to support for us to support you know local sale yards and provide them with a platform to, um, to you know to re- maximizing like the local sale yards of course um, and they can really benefit from a platform such as auctions plus but before we yeah you go. Sorry, go before, before we get down into it, it'd be good just to see like a bit more into your background um, and how this will come through Auctions Plus and help out with their projects and the future of it. So can you just tell us a bit about your background, your education and where you've come from? Yeah, definitely. Um, so I grew up on a, um, on a, I guess, a mixed farm in northern New South Wales. It's a family property. Um, I'd be a fifth generation um, producer if I took it on and um, just we're just outside of Scone there and I was fortunate enough to grow up there and and then went to school in Sydney like so many of I guess uh, the country kids do and went to ducked off to boarding school Um, then from boarding school I took a year off overseas and kind of experienced life um, and, and learn about the big wide world. Uh, I came back and uh, I actually, I failed my, my first university degree at Sydney University. I, I was doing ag science. Um, I always knew that I wanted to, I guess, stay connected to the ag sector. Um, we've always, uh, we, we've still got the family property, um, but I, I it, it's not, I guess, at a, at a at an enterprise level where you can it, it's big enough to support a family um and so i obviously would love to have taken it on but you know that the economics don't necessarily work out so i thought well i want to stay in the ag sector i'll do ag science uh and i have to say that i don't have a science brain jack one bit and i failed miserably uh so after getting kicked out of um ag science at, at sydney uni i um went up to Bond University and I did a business degree up there and for the first time ever probably started to enjoy learning. Um, I wasn't, I wouldn't say I wasn't top of the class during my secondary years or even my early years. I think feedback from my teachers was to my parents um, was, oh, he's a lovely kid, great manners, uh, but geez, he gets distracted. <laughs> uh, and and uh, I, I'd have to say that's a fair fair kind of analysis until I really yeah I went to Bond University and did a double degree in that did a double degree in business and commerce up there and um and just thrived to be honest with you and I ended up majoring in journalism and I love I love the creativity and the freedom of writing uh, and so I started out as a journalist in on the Gold Coast and then worked for News Limited in one of the local rags in Sydney uh, the GFC hit, uh, and during the GFC, um, a number of roles, journalism roles, were made redundant. I was fortunate enough to, to keep mine, but 
the workload kind of just, you know, completely blew us up. Uh, and the, the, the real essence of journalism kind of was sucked out of it, to be honest with you. We were just almost um, copy-pasting press releases at, at some points just to fill papers and that, yeah. that soul and that enjoyment um, wasn't there. And I then, and, and I had a, I had an urge to reconnect back to my roots and it had always been there. Uh, I'd been living in Sydney for a number of years and going home uh, to the family property, but I just was really missing that connection uh, at a work level. Uh, a role came up at Meat and Livestock Australia and I was um, lucky enough to get a, just a communications coordinator role. Um, I ended up working in the comms team for three years there, various different roles. Um, worked very closely with the team who uh, was on the, did the live export to Indonesia, Indonesia crisis management. So uh, was a part of that from, a, I guess, a producer engagement level. Um, learned a huge amount uh, from two people uh, being Scott Hansen and Don Heatley absolute heroes and I guess mentors of mine. Uh, they were the CEO or the MD and the chairman at the time. Um, and from there, I, I kind of, uh, I wanted to kind of try something a little bit different. I'd done, I think it was three and a half, four years there. And I also probably, if I'm honest, found love uh, and, and in finding love, um, I, I, I needed to move to Melbourne. Uh, so I went to Melbourne. I worked in a marketing agency down there for six months. Uh, again, working in with a wonderful mentor, Jim Gall. Um, so Jim's, I think, the, one of the founders of Red Handed uh, Media or Red Handed Communications, which is focuses on rural and regional marketing. Uh, and then from there, uh, I jumped into a. Uh, I realised that. I was kind of being pigeonholed as a you know com communications and, and marketing specialist. And whilst I loved it, I was really missing that commercial kind of edge and that business kind of thinking. And uh, so I took a role with Horticulture Innovation Australia as one of their portfolio managers, essentially managing um, the R&D investment for uh, a couple of the port industries. During that time, I studied my MBA. I went over to China and um, and did did half of my MBA in China. So, proposed to my wife and then snuck off a couple of months later uh, and did eight months in Shanghai. So, did you take the wife with you? I didn't. Lucky enough, she stuck with me. Um, so, that was a, a bit brave of me, uh, but it definitely again set me up for success, kind of taking a bit of a leap of faith um, and her supporting me. And so we, yeah, I, I during that time, I, I came back and worked for Hort Innovation and set up one of their co-investment funds, which was a, uh, an Asian expansion investment fund. I also, uh, on the side, uh, funded a e-commerce platform um, that, that allowed us to sell their products straight to the consumer, uh, the Chinese consumer. Um, so I founded that. Um, and then through all of, I guess, the my own business stuff, but also all of my travels, I, I, I 
came across a, a group that was expanding into, I guess, management consulting, a boutique management consulting firm. And um, there was an opportunity to set up, a, I guess, a China office uh, based in Sydney. So I did that for, for eight months. And unfortunately, probably the culmination of uh, working, you know, uh, I'd say one baby born, another one on the way, um, you know, running two of my own businesses, pouring any money back into those businesses, it kind of all came to a grinding halt uh, in, in a pretty ugly way, to be honest with you, Jack. And it was a big learning curve for me. Um, you know, I'd probably stuck too many irons in too many fires and, and burnt myself out. Uh, and it was around that time where I, I had to step away from both of those business opportunities, the one that I'd, I'd founded. Um, and, and step away from that and, and sold out my percentage share and and also decided to, I guess, um, step down from the management consulting business, which I'd, I'd set up in, in Sydney. So um, in doing that, it was, yeah, it was a pretty stressful, I'd say, three months there. Uh, and I learned a hell of a lot. And around that time, I had a board meeting and I was sitting, uh, and Anna Spear, the former CEO of Auctions Plus, uh, was on the board and probably, you know, after a board meeting half cut, I was having a bit of a sulk uh, and she called me a week later and said, hey, there's a, you know, we might have a gig for you, um, six month contract, would you be interested? And to be, I'd, I'd heard of Auctions Plus, I was aware of Auctions Plus, uh, but I I always knew it was kind of the darling of the ag tech sector. You know, it was the original ag tech story. Uh, but I hadn't been in the livestock sector for the past, oh, it'd be six years, six to six or eight years. So, um, but I guess I came in and I just fell into my groove. Uh, it was, I kind of, I felt like I was home uh, from, from the first kind of day that I started at Auctions Plus. I don't know, that sounds a bit corny, but, kind of the stars had aligned you know I, I loved technology i had an e-commerce platform you know albeit uh, between australia and china so i was a bit of a tech geek um it was a growing company young staff it was livestock uh ag sector uh yeah it just you know the, the stars kind of aligned and from there i guess the rest is history and and was lucky enough to step into the shoes behind anna um 18 months ago or nearly two years ago absolutely well i think like being a tech geek in ag is the new cool at the moment <laughs> yeah it, it's an interesting um yeah it is well i it, it's interesting you definitely need to understand and have an appreciation for technology but i think what a lot of uh people underestimate is that the ag sector is still a very traditional sector and as such you still need to operate in quite a traditional way uh you know you, you can't uh rely on you know sexy you know facebook retargeting advertising um you know you still need to in some way have face-to-face -face engagement um, and, and build those relationships to grow the business. So, and, and it doesn't, 
yes, it's sexy, but you know, because the opportunities are there, but I wouldn't say they they don't evolve as quickly as you know um, as as potentially you know an FMCG or a mainstream consumer opportunity does. You know, it's it's make or break quite quickly in the consumer game or the retail game, uh, whereas this is still a very traditional. Um, slow-moving industry, uh, and part of the reason is is that you have some highly professional, absolutely meticulous clients. Uh, you know their their livelihood is uh, down to you know millimeters of um, of chemical that you put on plants through to you know um, a millimeter of water in in, in subsoil moisture. So. You know, you've got to be able to talk the lingo at a technology level, but also really sit down and understand the problems of the of the farmer. Yeah, absolutely. It's no like quick shift transferring no them from quick, a traditional into digital, is it? No quick shift. Definitely not. You got one chance. If I'm honest with you, um, you know, my farm, my father uses a um, a saying. You know never bullshit a bullshitter and i think that's something that you know we've we've always stuck true to at auctions plus is it's like well you know a producer does not have or anybody in the supply chain does not have the time to be sold bullshit you know it's um have an open and honest conversation about what you can actually do where you can add value and if you can it's highly likely that you know, you'll have a, a relationship, and which therefore means you'll have a commercial relationship. So, um, you know, it, it's first getting over that hurdle of, you know, do I trust and like who I'm working with? Uh, does it add value to each other's businesses? Then a commercial agreement is very easy to write. Yeah, precisely, and just like bringing together more transparency. And then that's allowing the farmers to come on board and trust the platform more so. Hugely, Jack. I think, um, you know, it, it's one thing that underpins not just technology, whether it be, a, you know, hardware, uh, you know, remote water monitoring or whether it be digital mapping as a software or, you know, farm management software is the trust and the integrity of the business. Um, you need to obviously have internal kind of the, the resources of the business need to have high integrity, need to be trustworthy, uh, you know, and need to have a really solid set of values. Uh, that then builds the foundations for, for the technology you build. When it comes to Auctions Plus, trust, um, and integrity is absolutely at the core of what we do, uh, and even more so than any of the other software companies um, in the ag sector. And that's because you know we're dealing with hundred thousand dollar transactions every minute. Uh, so uh, a seller needs to feel comfortable uh, that they are maximising their profit, and a buyer needs to feel comfortable that what they are bidding on will be delivered. Uh, so for us to, I guess, 
enhance and give confidence to that transaction, which, as I said, are a significant value transactions, um, we need to ensure that the technology and the service we provide is is absolutely underpinned by integrity and trust. Yeah, that's really excellent to see. Like, that's get built out at Auctions Plus, and even from your own background, of course. For like Auctions Plus to stop like catfishing, I know like most farmers wouldn't be doing it, but we all want to make sure the quality's there. Have you? Like brought on anything else to like improve the quality? You said a hundred points of hundred data points for this. Yeah, so uh, we have third, um, I guess, third-party accredited assessors, um, and so those assessors go through a two-day training course. Uh, those assessors are audited uh, annually. Those assessors are benchmarked annually uh, and and provided levels. Uh, they are liable, I guess, for delivering the article uh, that is marketed. Yeah. Uh, so if, uh, if for whatever reason, you know, you sell pink cows and purple t- turn up, um, well, the assessor clearly has incorrectly assessed uh, the livestock. And yes, you know, we're dealing with, with live animals and, and there are extenuating circumstances, but, you know, if you actually dive into the detail, nine times out of 10, um, there's clearly a, a fault or there is clearly an issue at hand. Uh, and, you know, it, it can be resolved. It could have been resolved uh, and either the buyer or seller um, wouldn't have had a bad experience. I, I have to say that over the last, you know, five have focused on, you know, building up, you know, the skills of those assessors, um, weeding out any of the, I guess, poor performers, uh, any of the, the dodgy assessors. Um, you know, we, we regularly suspend, we regularly terminate um, assessor access uh, as well as buyer and seller access uh, for not complying with our terms and conditions. Uh, so... Yeah, look, there's there's definitely hard conversations to be had, but we kind of we sit we 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 sit uh, true and and connect uh, at a local level and say, well, is this fair, and where does the issue and the fault um, kind of lie? And if we can't, uh, I guess, support an outcome, then what's great is we have an arbitration committee, and that arbitration committee is a third party. Again, is at arm's length of auctions plus, um, depending on the case at hand, if it can't be resolved, uh, then you know it's made up of either feedlotters, processors, level one assessors, professional buyers uh, sit on those arbitration committees, and and that that committee makes a final decision. So, yeah, look in terms of um, underpinning the assessment and underpinning, I guess the people who do the assessment. We feel very comfortable that you know we, we've got that credibility there and and can maintain that trust. But we're always looking for, I guess, ways from a technology perspective to enhance that. <coughs> so that can be better photos. Uh, we last a couple of years ago we investigated 360 degree videos, um, whereby you could put a 360 degree photo or video 
camera yep. in a paddock and the, and the cattle run around you. <coughs> Unfortunately, I guess the technology wasn't there for us to adopt that straight away, but that's still something that we look at. Um, we're always, yeah, I guess we're looking at, at, at mounting, um, you know, at, at mounting cameras on, on the sides of cradles and crusts. We're working with a number of research projects at MLA um, to, I guess, that, that are specifically looking at objective livestock measurements um, because the more that we can shift those data points from being subjective to objective, I guess, the more confidence the buyers are going to have. Yeah, absolutely. And it just goes to show creating value for the, the supply chain and starting with the producers of those. Yeah, I, I think that's where the heart and soul of uh, the ag sector is, is at the producer level. Um, one of my favorite, I guess, ways of thinking when we look to develop new technologies is uh, <coughs> it's quite simple, actually. It's um, will it save time, save money, or make money? And if it doesn't meet one of those three criteria, then we don't invest in it. Uh, yeah. Because at an absolute grassroots level, it's about profit and it's about time. Uh, and if we can enhance that equation for the producer, then we should always be able to add value. Yeah, definitely. What about like stud stock for like for cattle and sheep within Australia? What's changed there for like sales for Auctions Plus? Yeah, great question, Jack. Yeah, um, obviously. Uh, seed stock sales, um, you know, bull and ram and uh, sales in particular have evolved, you know, uh, particularly over the last two to three years. Uh, and I think we're going to see another wave of evolution, which is driven, unfortunately, by COVID. Uh, with spring selling season uh, upon us uh, and Victoria, you know, very yeah. much... Uh, on the brink of, of stage three and stage four restrictions, it's it's an unfortunate kind of um, two warships kind of coming together. Uh, so a number of studs uh, who, who, you know, their whole livelihood revolves around, um, you know, one of, one of the major sale days, one of their, their, their major sale day. A lot of them are now looking at, at coming online. Uh, and I guess we're fortunate to have been able to deliver a product um, which can support those businesses. We, you know, we 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 definitely, um, you know, at the early stages of COVID in March, we had one uh, one stud sale that called up 24 hours before. I think it was 48 hours before. Sorry, and had said, look, I don't know what's going on with COVID. The goalposts keep moving. I'm just going to have to run this sale online. First-time user, never thought that he would ever use um, Auctions Plus, let alone an online auction service. Yeah. However, he ran the sale. Um, I think we we gave got a there was a higher average and you know a higher top price than last year. And yes, 
you know, the tailwinds of the season have been there to support that outcome. But here we have a producer who, post the sale, said, I don't think I'll ever run my bull sale without Auctions Plus or without an online service ever again. Um, and we also bought him two to three new clients. So I think, again, it goes to that national marketplace. You know, not, not only are you building your brand uh, from a stud perspective outside of the local network of buyers, the first step is building that brand and then the second step is potentially picking up, you know, a couple of new buyers. And, you know, with the way, with the quality of photos and videos and the genetic information that is provided, um, buyers are looking for specific genetic traits and are, and are more likely now to, to buy, or more comfortable now to buy online than having to go and see the animals physically. So... Yeah, absolutely. I think like touching on different producers are looking for different traits in their sheep or their cattle. Um, so maybe someone in WA likes the stud up in Moree or something like that um, and vice versa rather than just within their local community. That's exactly right. Uh, and decisions now are at, at a producer level, at a, at a production level, are data-driven. Um, and genetics are, are part of that data mix. So if we can provide a platform where uh, producers or buyers can get access to you know, high-quality data uh, that helps support them make a, uh, a production decision, then, yeah, it's, it's, again, beneficial to the supply chain. Absolutely. What are the numbers of, like, what's the split between beef and sheep? Uh, the numbers would probably be 50-50, to be yeah, honest right. with you, in terms of, yeah, um, uh, commercial cattle, I think we did a, a nudge over 600,000 head last financial year, that was cattle, and sheep, we did about 3.4 uh, million head, uh, and then in terms of stud sales, yeah, 50-50 split. Okay, that's interesting, I thought, like, maybe... Cattle would have been a bit higher. Look, originally, yeah, computer-aided livestock marketing, uh, which which is auctions plus, um, uh, originally um, was was built uh, for for cattle. It was built for for prime stock actually, um, and so yes, it definitely kind of has that legacy aspect to it. But um, fortunately and, and excitingly, a number of the sheep producers um, have picked it up and see value in it as well. Yes, excellent. For, um, for yourself, like what's in the pipeline for Auctions Plus? Is it building on these times of like maybe corona or even just to the impact of drought to lessen that for producers and also yourself? Yeah, I think... Uh, one thing we try not to do is um, change too quickly. Um, you know, we we understand that change is absolutely necessary, and and it's more about evolution, not a revolution, uh, for us. So, in the pipeline is um, projects around um, you know transparency, uh, data sharing, um, data decision tools, 
uh, user profiles similar to LinkedIn or Facebook. Um, so the ability to kind of market your your and provide additional materials outside of just the assessment. Um, data decision tools um, where you can jump in and, and look at forecast prices and um, indices that we are creating. Um, so yeah, it, it's we're upgrading our buyer tools. Uh, we're upgrading uh, our website. Um, and we're looking at, I guess, different commodities in the livestock sector to, to offer the same service to. So, um, excitingly, we're, we're looking at performance horses um, right. in the equine space, uh, as well as dairy um, down in, in, in Victoria. So, yeah, look, it, the, the opportunities and the technologies uh, are scalable, uh, but it's just around working with the people on the ground and making sure that we add value to the sectors and to the businesses that, that 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 are within that opportunity. Yeah, absolutely. I think like sticking true to what you know, coming from beef and then you're building out these products, but not moving too quickly, as you said. If it's not broken, don't fix it. Correct. And um, at our core, and, every, and will always be at our core, will be, um, you know, will be cattle and sheep both commercial and, and the seed stock sectors. So uh, we won't be moving uh, too quickly, um, you know, and, and we won't be looking to, to blow the system up to, you know, to be, you know, the Amazon of, of agriculture. Um, we definitely have aspirations to be able to service the needs of multiple sectors within the ag sector and, and, and add value up and down the supply chain but we also know that it takes time uh, and we know that it's a step-by-step uh, process and, um, and it's, about, it's about the timing. Uh, and right now for us, it's around, uh, you know, with COVID, uh, the pressure that is on the sector to keep trading, um, you know, we want to deliver absolute excellent services for cattle, sheep, wool, machinery sales, and and seed stock sales so um yeah a really really exciting kind of short to medium term for us but we're also developing plenty uh in the pipeline for for a longer term vision absolutely i think that's fantastic to see yard building out and then you're not going too quick for yourselves and getting lost yeah definitely it's it's about deciding what not to do um so and and there's competitors always uh, popping up and, and keeping you on your toes and uh, there's technology issues um, you know there's again the, no no doubt there'll be more seasonal conditions that are thrown at us so yeah. what we just want to do is is can continue to de- deliver an A-grade service if we deliver service um, and we look after the customer um, we hope that the customer comes back it's a pretty simple formula for us yeah that's it for like Australia in rural and regional areas, internet can play a big part in success or no success of the internet being connected properly. Is this like a tough one to navigate for yourself as a, like a farmer's trying to sell his stock and you've got like a camera team there for your online services? Yeah, it's, uh, it's definitely a, a, a hindrance uh, and, a, and a bit of a, 
control factor. Uh, but I, I think, you know, there's some recent data and, and I, I can't remember the facts. So I won't quote them, but essentially, you know, most people in rural and regional um, areas have a, have a smartphone these days. Um, so they might not have service at home, but when they duck in, you know, um, duck into town, they'll get service there. Uh, the iPad uh, is very much, you know, and the iPhone are the major devices, you know. Um, yeah, the new notebook. Correct. That's exactly right. So I, I'd say it's a concern, uh, but it was probably more of a concern, um, I'd say, three to five years ago. I think people have, I know that, you know, um, connectivity is an issue. Uh, black spots are frustrating, uh, but that, you know, they also need to, to stay connected. Uh, so they kind of just change their habits. You know, they might, um, you know, they drive in on a Sunday morning to get their coffee and download their emails. So, you know, I think people just change how they operate to ensure that they stay connected. Yeah, absolutely. And I think a lot more people are adopting or improving their own networks. So in the next few years, a bit of an exciting spot for Options Plus as we all become further connected. Definitely, definitely. And I think one of the, one of the I guess, longer-term visions for us is that we'd be able to provide a, you know, a, a, that online community um, that, where you can not only trade, but you can connect communicate, share, you know, the stories um, of rural and regional Australia. So, you know, trading is um, underpins, you know, the, the ag agricultural sector. Um, and, but what also is one of the major pillars and foundation points is that connectedness. So if we can, <clears throat> one of our longer term visions is if we can, create a, a community, a digital community, whatever that looks like online uh, to allow those people to, 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 to be connected, then yeah, that would be a pretty, pretty special place. And I think for us, that's definitely uh, in the pipeline. But again, it, it's, it's that, you know, there's a, there's a limitation there with, with connectivity at the moment. Um, and there's also probably not an absolute need right now, but I can see there being one in the future, and, and that's really exciting for Auctions Plus, but also for the bush in general. Yeah, absolutely. The bush loves that sense of community. We're distance <coughs> by kilometres, but definitely not by connectivity through these types of tools, of course. Definitely. Look, and, you know, my mum still just, you know, chews off uh the phone the landline you know we don't have yeah. we don't have um we don't have phone service at home at the, at the farm and uh, i was there on the weekend and you know she'd sit up with a cup of tea after dinner and talk to one of her girlfriends and just talk to all hours of the evening and there's dad you know we do have data and there's dad kind of reading the city morning herald on his ipad so yeah i, I I still think uh, there is, is a bit of ways to go, but yeah, th that connection piece and that sense of community 
is absolutely paramount. And if we can build that into our technology, not just us, but any other tech business, uh, then I think, you know, you're definitely onto a winner. Absolutely. And just as a tech company, it's exciting to see where Options Plus is going as a producer ourselves, but also as we try to improve agribusiness across Australia. For like agriculture, within the next five to 10 years, what are you most curious about? This could be for yourself or for Options Plus. Um, I'd say traceability and data. And I know that's probably been thrown around for, you know, years. Um, But, you know, people have been talking about big data and data lakes, data pools and data mining. Um, But I think the holy grail um, and also a very elusive opportunity is the data um, that is being captured in agriculture and how do we turn that into tools that drive profitability for businesses. Um, I, you know, you, you, dad, again, I, I use him, you know, he's, the amount of data that he's capturing is almost more than auctions plus. Um, but he's capturing it because he's told he needs to capture it and he's captured it for three years. But when I sit down with him and kind of go, well, what are you using the data for? He's using it, but in quite rudimentary fashion. Uh, so, you know, to be able to, for him to share that data, um, with other producers to benchmark, to, to put it all into a, you know, into a pool to, to actually expand it and give it more depth. Um, that's, I think the power and the opportunity really lies to drive value. Um, and obviously that data stuff links to traceability. You know, if, if you can tie all of those data points to uh, a commodity, whatever it is, from the moment the seed's put in the ground to, uh, you know, an embryo is um, inseminated through AI, you know, if you can tie it from that to the point of um, manufacturing or processing, yeah, that would be pretty powerful. Yeah, absolutely. Knowing what to do with that data in the end. And also like collaborating with other producers as well. We're not in competition with them all the time. It's important that we can benchmark as an as an industry rather than individuals. Definitely. And I think that's it. You know, I think there is definitely discussions around, you know, whose data is what and we've got a long way to go. But, you know, collaboration is the fastest way to success, um, in, in my opinion. And I think, you know, if we can come up with some, I guess, if somebody can stitch it together uh, in such a way where all parties along the value chain see value in sharing and connecting their data sources, then the, I guess, the, the accumulation of that value would be, would far exceed, I guess, any potential risk. 
And again, they're very hero and halo type comments, but I do believe there is an opportunity there. It's a huge one and a, and a huge barriers to overcome, <clears throat> but if we can do it, we will add real value to not just the producer, but all parts of the value chain. Yeah, of course. And I think like also the consumer um, gains from these types of platforms, driving the quality and also that traceability. Consumers love that fact. They do. They absolutely do, Jack. And I think, you know, um, data is around there's production data and there's provenance data. Um, and I think, you know, production data we have in spades and, you know, we can use and utilize, um, uh, or I guess improve the utilization of it and, and the understanding of it. But if we can then stitch in that provenance data, well, again, it's a, it's a pretty powerful data set. Yeah, definitely. Well, I think like tying in everything your experience coming through and then joining Auctions Plus back to your roots and where you love to work and always like staying curious for like producers and also for the technology coming through is like vitally important for ag today. Hugely. You've just got to keep digging. Um, you know, we have a internal model motto that you, you know, you, um, you look short, but you play long. Um, no, oh, sorry. You look long, but you play short. You look long, but you play short and you know, you play what's in front of you. Um, but you're always looking long. Uh, and that's that curiosity piece. You just got to keep digging, got to keep asking the question why. Uh, and sometimes there's a justifiable reason why, and you can leave it alone, but it doesn't mean that you, you don't need to circle back to it and revisit it. So, yeah, I think, it, and it's also about evolution, not revolution. You know, it's, it's, it's incremental steps that add up and accumulate um, that add the va real value to, to curiosity, not just kind of one big sweeping gesture. It's, it's that continual, consistent, curious mind that will, will always deliver more. That's it. Well, I think you tied that in excellently. For the podcast, we'll wrap it up there. I just got two more questions to ask. Of who would you like to hear on the Farms Advice podcast and why who would I like to hear it could be um, industry or an individual doesn't matter yeah I'd love to I'd love to hear from I guess uh, one of the major uh, retailers you know Woolies, Coles, Audi um, IGA around how they value uh, data and, uh, I guess, production and provenance data um, and, and where they see it going. Yeah, that would be quite cool to get them on um, just to see what their point of view is, of course, on the industry and how they improve through the data points. Exactly. And, and obviously, you know, the, the data points are all aiming to add value to the end consumer uh, and they're the closest to the end consumer. So it would be interesting to see, to match what we think is valuable and, and, and what they 
actually know is valuable. Yeah, yeah, of course. Well, that's excellent. Thank you very much for nominating that industry. I'll try to get in touch with a few of those. For, yep. for anyone looking to get in touch, maybe with yourself or just look into what Auctions Plus is about, how can they do this? Yeah, shoot me an email, astreet at auctionsplus.com.au or Google the office um, and, and, and call the offers at any time. Uh, love to get in contact, chat to anybody, uh, hear feedback uh, on this podcast, but also, I guess, on our business as well. Um, we're always looking to evolve and improve. Absolutely. Well, thank you very much for joining us for the episode, Angus. It was excellent to have you on board and get to know a bit more about yourself and what's going on at Auctions Plus. Thanks so much, Jack. Appreciate being here and thank you. Well, that concludes our 12th episode with Angus Street from Auctions Plus. Angus has an amazing way of thinking and how he's combining his knowledge of technology and bringing it into agribusinesses throughout Australia. Angus still believes that the face-to-face value is most important for the traditional industry of which agricultural is to make steps towards a digital future. The team's motto of look long and play short captures just that. I'm excited to see how Auctions Plus can improve the livestock game over the next 10 years within agriculture. Reach out to Angus and the team. I'm sure they'll be happy to help you with your questions. Head to farmsadvice.com.au for the show notes and further resources. Follow us on social media at Farms Advice for further motivation to improve your agribusiness and some cracking photos. Tune in next week for everything agribusiness. Cheers. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 